0: Thanks, Jeff, for that wee update there on Duncan and Becky, and also just a wee clip there from Jacob. It's great to be supporting those guys. Uh, uh, Thanks for that, Jeff. This morning, let me just read again verse 37 and 38 of Luke 21, and then I'll pray for us, and then we'll get into this text this morning. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged at the mount called Olivet, And early in the morning, all the people came to hear Him in the temple, to hear Him. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to Your Word this morning. And we know and we pray that anything of any significance that will happen in our lives today or happen in this gathering this morning, will be only wrought by the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we pray that your, the word that your Holy Spirit penned would now reach the recesses of our hearts that it has never reached before. And, Father, we pray that old Anglican prayer, what we know not teach us, what we are not make us, and what we have not give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning's sermon uh, has a title on it. The title is, and I'm hoping you're going to see a clip now in a moment, uh, the, the title is Play Like You Mean It. And hopefully we've got another wee, uh, another wee clip behind that. Or, so you may recognize this photograph, uh, Play Like You Mean It. The story behind this photograph is earlier in this season, earlier in the football season, the away fans for Man United thought this would be a good idea to hold this uh, banner up as the team warmed up. Play like you mean it. Now, the reason behind that was because the team at that stage, and still are, uh, are underperforming, to say the least. And the phrase that kept on coming up over and over again was this. It looks like they are just going through the motions. It looks like they're just going through the motions. Now, we all know what that phrase means, going through the motions. It means we are turning up, but we're not really caring. They're turning up, but they're not really giving it their all. They're there in body, but they're maybe not there in spirit. We all know what that phrase means. Now, the very same thing can apply to church. The very same thing can apply when it comes to church, and in particular, to this, our church gathering, to what we do here on Sunday mornings. The very same thing can apply. We can go through the motions. We're here in body, but are we really here? Sometimes we can take it even one step further back. Are we even here? And I think we've got a choice to make on this New Year's Eve, and the choice is this. In 2024, are we going to play like we mean it? Or are we going to go through the motions? Spurgeon once told a story, Charles Spurgeon once told a story about Caesar Augustus. Uh, He was invited to a feast in his honor, but the attendance was poor. The feast was mediocre at best. Uh, And Caesar arose in the middle of this feast and lamented, Alas, you have fooled me. Alas, you have fooled me. I supposed that I had been invited to be honored, but instead I I have found that I have been invited to be shamed. And in light of Caesar's statement, we might ask ourselves the same things. This, what we do in our gathering, is to honor the Lord. It is supposed to honor the Lord. When we come to gather on Sunday mornings, we are supposed to be doing these worship services in His honor. But are they? Does the way we attend, the way we participate, the way we actually worship... Honor him or shame him. Honor him or shame him. Luke 21, verse 38 in particular, describes a few things about the way the people came to be with Jesus. And it is that one verse in particular that we're going to spend some time on this morning. That one verse, verse 38, I am attempting to do what... uh, I've just read there a quote from Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon uh, was the master of taking one verse and doing an expositional sermon on one verse. I am not that, uh, but I am going to attempt that this morning. Take one verse and look at that one verse and focus on that one verse. And it is this. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So, as we think about our worship gatherings, are we playing like we mean it? And the first thing we have to look at, if that's the case, is our very attendance here at our gatherings. I want you to, if you've got your Bible open, and I hope you you do still, because I want you to see this in here. If we read that verse again, and early in the morning, all the people, circle, all. If you've got a Bible, you've got a pen, all the people came. The temple was crowded when Jesus was there. The people just flocked to hear Him, to be with Him. Nobody was making them go. Do you you see that? Nobody made them go. Nobody was holding a stick over them. Nobody was bothering them to be there. It wasn't a holy day, a special celebration. They just wanted to be there. They wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to go and hear Jesus. No one made them go. They were just there. All the people. In the temple, their house of worship, with Jesus, to hear from Jesus. Folks, surely it should be the same for us. Surely that should be the same way. Should we not just want to be with God's people? Should we not just want to worship Jesus, Should we not just want to hear from Jesus? All of us. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, surely one of the bare minimums of our walk with Christ is faithful attendance at the church gathering. Baseline Christianity we're talking. Hebrews ten twenty five, I think Marcus quoted this last week, possibly somewhere, says that we should not do not forsake our own assembling together, as, a, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, are we not all the more seeing the day drawing near? What does the Bible say about that? What does the writer of the Hebrews say about that? Do not forsake this. Do not forsake this. Be there. Do not neglect the attendance of public worship. And I don't think this has been emphasized in our generation the way it has been in previous generations. Now, hear me when I say this. In previous generations, it has been emphasized in a way that is not biblical. I'm not saying that it was emphasized perfectly in the past. It hasn't been. Those of you from, who, who, who are with me from, from a Presbyterian church background, who can remember the League of Church Loyalty Cards? Some. Right, okay. League of Church Lo- the, ba- the Baptists amongst us are going, what? The what? Pentecostals amongst us are going, them boys are crazy. Right? League of Church Loyalty, right, was a thing. So you had League of Church Loyalty cards. And every Sunday when you went, when you were away, when you went to church, uh, you got the League of Church Loyalty cards stamped. And at the end of the year, You got a monetary value for the amount of attendance that you had. And then this organization turned up in the church hall and they had like tables set out. It was like, I I can't remember. It's like the Good Book Company or something the equivalent or like, well, Faith Mission. And they used to come and put out their tables and had all the cool gear, right? Like like colored in books with Bible stories. Uh, And like pens and rubbers and stuff but like you were able to then spend the amount of money that you had gathered up over the year because of your loyalty to church attendance. Now, that's wrong. <laughs> that's buying people's attendance. That's not right. That's not, that's not good. The problem is with this. You can get real legalistic about it real quick. You can get real legalistic about it real quick. And you can make it, or you can make legal church loyal, or you can make attendance a matter of pride. It's not about that. It's not about that. Let me just say, sometimes you need to stay at home. There are some people who the church, if the church doors open at all, they're there. And if they're sick, they shouldn't be. If, 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 if one thing COVID taught us was that, you know, if you're sick, stay at home. That was a good thing. And so if you're broken or like your nose is running over people, I don't want to see you. All right? Simple. But it has to be broken or nose running over people. And some people think that every time the church doors, you have to be there because it makes you a good person. And that will somehow help your way to heaven. No. We better be there Sunday morning. We better be there. If we were open on Sunday night, there'd be some people here who'd be here on Sunday night. If we did a midweek, they'd be there a midweek. If there'd be whatever it would be, you'd be there. And you can get real legalistic about it really quickly. But we know that that is not what it's about. It's not about earning anything. We know that following Jesus is more, it's not even on the same planet as just being a good church attender. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people have have grasped onto over the years and say, this is where it has went wrong. See, the problem is we're not good people, and we're, we're, no matter how much church attendance we, we have, it won't make us good. The problem is we're sinners by nature and choice, and when we come to the age to choose sin, we choose it, and we choose it every single time. That's why the Bible tells us that we're all sinners, and we've fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us, and nothing we do, our attendance, our turning up, our, even our serving will not Save us. It won't add anything to our salvation at all. We are saved, let me be very clear. We are saved and saved alone by faith in Christ alone, in what He accomplished on the cross alone. End of. I think we just need to stop and pause for a moment when we think about that. What do you want your hope to be when it comes to judgment day? Do you want your hope to be, I was a good church attender, or I was faithful in service, or do you want your hope to be, I put all my cards, all my chips in on Christ and Him alone? That's where we want to be. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Now, saying that, that it's not all about church attendance, and you don't need to turn up if you're broken, and it doesn't earn us a place in heaven, I think the reality is that some of us could still recapture some of what a previous generation had in their commitment to being at worship. Too many of the church nowadays think nothing at all about missing the church gathering for any reason at all. It used to be that you used to have to have a reason, a good reason. Now, people just miss for almost no reason at all. If something happens to be on a Sunday, they will prioritize that over being at worship. They will prioritize the other thing. And please hear me. I'm not saying that no one can ever take a holiday. I take holidays. Many of our people have jobs that take them out every week or so. That is totally understandable. But if you aren't sick, and you aren't working, and you're not on holiday, you should be here. I would go as far as to say this. Of all the commitments we have in life, and I know, I just look out across this church, and I see a room full of people who have a lot of commitments in life. But I would go as far as to say this. Of all the commitments we have in life, this gathering of God's people on God's Day should be the most important commitment of your week. The most important. How many of us, if we had a doctor's appointment this week, would miss it just because something else was on? answer right now the way the NHS is, none of us. How many of us would miss other critical appointments during our week because we couldn't be bothered going? None of us. And yet, this is often seen as an optional extra, something that can be missed. And also, if I could speak to the parents in the room for a moment on this. You and your attitude to the public worship gathering are setting an example to your children. If they do not see, if our children do not see that this is a priority, what are they going to learn? To quote my good friend Nathan Hornback, he probably stole it somewhere else, let's be honest. But to quote Hornback, When church becomes optional for us parents, it will become unnecessary for our children. When church becomes optional for us parents, it will become unnecessary for our children. Folks, what kind of example are you setting to your children? And I would go one step further. Fathers in the room. Fathers in the room. What sort of example are you setting to your children when you say the Sunday gathering is optional? Well, sure, dad doesn't think it's important. Why would I go? Why would I bother? Folks, in 2024, the challenge is this when it comes to our church attendance. Are we going to play like we mean it? Are we going to play like we mean it, or are we just going to go through the option through the motions? and view this as an optional extra. All the people gathered to hear Jesus. All the people. Second thing we see from this verse is that there was sacrifice involved in this. Let me read it to you again. And early in the morning, the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Early in the morning. Now, to me, this is a really interesting part of the verse. Also, a really scary part of the verse. Because, if anybody knows me, I, they know I do not like early in the morning. But what these people had to do was they had to make a sacrifice to be there. They had to the sacrifice to be there. In the early days of Christianity, they had to get up early to come to worship. In study for this, I've been reading some stuff on the early church, as in just after uh, Pentecost, and also some early church right through church history. And what, you see, what you've come to learn is that much of the church worshipped in a pagan culture. So on the Lord's Day, what the church had designated the Lord's Day, which is now Sunday, what happened was A pagan culture treated that day like any other day. It was a work day. And so what did the church have to do? The church had to get up early and go to worship and then what? Go to work. They had to get up early, go to worship, and then go to work. There was sacrifice involved. They still had to go to work. And so Christians would get up go to church early in the morning, often while it was still dark, and then go and do their regular work for the day. They made a sacrifice of getting up early. I remember for a time, uh, a lot of people won't remember this in in Cornerstone, but there was a group of men at one stage in Cornerstone made a commitment, uh, and that commitment was to rise early in the morning. That was the commitment. We will rise up, men. And what we will do is we will rise up and we will read our Bibles. And we will rise up and read our Bibles and we will post a photograph of our Bibles into a WhatsApp group to prove that we were rose up early. We had arisen and we're spending time with the Lord. Right? That was the sacrifice. And let's just say, I can only speak for myself. I couldn't keep that sacrifice up very long. Because I don't like mornings. And what I used to do, and this is me being really honest with you, it got to the point where I would open my Bible up, take a screenshot of the Bible, send it into the group, and roll over. Genius. Up here is for thinking, you see, down there for dancing, all right? But not even, I, I couldn't even keep that sacrifice up. Of Getting up early, reading the Bible, being with the Lord, sending a photograph into the group and doing things right. I couldn't even keep that up. But here we have the church, Christians who follow Jesus, had to sacrifice to do this. They had a sacrifice to do this. Most of us don't have to do that anymore. We, most of us, for the most part, have Sundays off. And there's not much sacrifice involved in our worship, if we're honest. I used to find it fascinating when we had two services, uh, 9.30, 30, and I used to chat to people about why they would pick going to one over the other. The answers were very interesting. Some people would say they picked a 9.30 so that they would have the rest of the day to themselves. Or they could go to lunch early. Some people would say they, could have, they went to the 11.30 because they could what? Have a lie-in. That's our culture. That's not the church. That's culture. That's not the church. Not much talk about sacrifice. But we know from the Bible, that worship that comes with sacrifice means something to God. Worship that comes with sacrifice means something to God. Second Samuel 23, 13-17, when the Philistine army had captured Bethlehem, David loved Bethlehem. And he said this, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate And the Bible tells us that three of his mighty men heard that cry. They heard the cry of David that he would love to drink from the well of Bethlehem. And three of his mighty men made their way to Bethlehem, fought through, got to the well, got some water, took it back to David. Because they loved their king so much. They put their own lives in jeopardy. It was a precious gift, a sacrificial gift. And David said, far be it from me that he should drink the water that I would be drinking the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their own lives. The very next chapter, Second Samuel 24, God commands David to make a sacrifice to save the people from a plague. And one of David's citizens, one of David's good people, Aruna, bowed before David and told him that he would give David the oxen and the wood for the offering. But David said this, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. I will not offer sacrifice to the Lord that cost me nothing. We see very clearly the important principle of worship. It pleases God when we make a sacrifice that costs us something when it comes to our worship. And so how does this apply to us today? How does this apply to us in, in, in Cornerstone Church and as we move into 2024, as we think about playing the game as if we're, we mean to play it? How does, how does this apply? What sacrifices can be made? Well, one sacrifice that can be made is this. Preparation. Preparation. The sacrifice of preparation. As you read the New Testament, you'll see the term day of preparation used in accordance with the Sabbath. It refers, obviously we know the biblical Sabbath was Saturday. It refers then to Friday. And this was the day when the, when the Jewish people would get everything ready and prepare everything so that they could keep the Sabbath the next day. They got their food out. They got everything laid out. They got everything prepared. They wouldn't have to take long journeys so that they would be back for the Sabbath. It, was, it wasn't the Sabbath. It was the day of preparation for the Sabbath. But if they were going to take, this was their mindset, if they were going to take the day of the Sabbath seriously, they needed to be prepared. Now, let me say this. This will maybe, this will be like, oh, you don't? I do not believe Sunday to be the Sabbath. Biblically. In the New Testament, in the New Testament church, Sunday became the Lord's day. There is nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in the New Testament you will find that you are commanded to keep the Sabbath of the Jews. Nowhere. You are not commanded in the New Testament to keep the Lord's day as a new Sabbath. It is the Lord's day. Sunday, The new church, from Acts, right through church history, Sunday became the Lord's Day. Now, so how does this apply to us? How does a New Testament church apply the sacrifice of preparation? Well, I think at least we should spend some time on a Saturday preparing ourselves for what we're going to do on a Sunday morning. We need to be prepared. If we are going to be serious about worshiping Jesus, about worshiping our God on a Sunday, we need to prepare for it on a Saturday. All of us, all of us, should make sure We have enough sleep on a Saturday night that we are not coming in here on a Sunday morning and sleeping. All of us should be ready for this. Maybe you're here in body on a Sunday morning, but you're not here in spirit. And maybe you're here in body on a Sunday morning, but you have ruined any chance of hearing from God because of what you were doing on a Saturday night. Maybe you have ruined the very chances of you even being here because of what you've been doing on a Saturday night. Ruining the chance of hearing from God, enjoying fellowship with God, enjoying fellowship with with God's people, all over. For a Saturday night. Folks, there's sacrifice that is required. There is sacrifice that is required. Two things in this world that are maligned at the moment are these authority and sacrifice. Both good, both biblical. So there is a sacrifice of preparation. Be prepared. There's also the sacrifice of pride. God said in Isaiah 66:2, To this one I will look. Just, just, just let that sink in for a moment. To this one I will look. The one who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. That's the one to which God will look. And so God says for us to sacrifice our pride pleases Him. One of the most genuine roadblocks to you worshipping, to me worshipping Jesus the way we should, is our pride. Pride in here, in the worship service. The truth be known, for most of us, maybe some of the most important goals that we have in here on a Sunday morning is not to make a fool of ourselves. So even if we want to raise a hand in worship, we will keep it in our pockets. Because I don't want to be the weirdo. I I know, I know, some of you are literally ripping the jeans off yourself to get your hands up sometimes. And you won't do it because of your pride. You are robbing yourself and God of genuine worship. Genuine worship. I don't want to cry or get too emotional. I don't want to make a spectacle of myself. That has to die in here. That has to die in here. You are with your family in this room. You are with your family. Should you want to raise a hand and worship, you raise a hand and worship. Should you want to fall prostrate on that floor, you do whatever you feel at the time that God is leading you to do. You're with your family. And if anybody as much as blinks an eyelid in judgment, that is on them, not you. That's on them, not you. You are free in this room to worship the way you feel led by the Spirit of God to worship. Do it. So there is sacrifice required. If we are to play like we mean it, we're in this thing and we're going we're gonna to do it and we're going to do it right. There is sacrifice required. There is there's commitment required and there is sacrifice required. But then, most importantly of all, most importantly of all, what is it? What is our motivation for being here this morning? Why are you here? I I genuinely would love to sit down with every single person and be like, why are you here? What is the motivation? What is the motivation to keep us committed to this throughout 2024? What is the motivation to keep us making these sacrifices throughout 2024? We find it here in the text, and it's here. It says this, all the people came to Him. To hear from Him. That's it. That's the key. Jesus is the reason we're here. That's the key. We come to Him, to listen to Him, to hear from Him, to worship Him. That was the big attraction. Why did all the people come? Why were they making sacrifices to be there? Because it was all about Him. It was all about Jesus. And this should be our motivation for worship too. This should be our motivation for being here. This should be our motivation for making the sacrifice to be here. This should be our motivation for the commitment to be here. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus and Jesus alone. As I began this morning... The living God is here. The living God of all creation is in this room. We don't come out of some sense of duty, we don't come because we think we should. We come because He is here. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, we'll admit that that's not always the case and that's not always our motivation for being here. But let me ask you a question. If I was to get up here this morning and announce that next Sunday John Piper was speaking or Matt Chandler was speaking, or Louis Giglio was speaking, or whoever your 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 most your most precious, favoritist uh, preacher on Instagram is. You fill in the blanks. If 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 I was to stand up here next week and say that they were preaching, would you be here? Oh, you bet yourself, you would be here. And yet, every Sunday. God is here. God is here. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 42, the queen of the south will rise up with this generation, and the judgment, at the judgment, and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus said, listen, there's something greater. There's something better. There's something more important. There's so many more important than Matt Chandler. There's so many more important than John Piper. There's so many more important than Louis Giglio. There's so many more important than the most famous footballer with a testimony. There's so many more important with whatever famous celebrity you can think of who's going to come and speak to us about their testimony. There's so many more important than that here. God's here. Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is amongst us. His presence should be the reason we make the effort to attend. His presence should be the reason we make the sacrifices that we do to be here. His presence is is the reason we are here, nothing else. Years ago, someone wrote C.S. Lewis a letter and asked him, this is, this is hilarious. This is like, this is stereotypical like church life, right? Listen to this. What if the clergyman in their church was inept? Welcome to Cornerstone 2024. Now, what if the clergyman in their, in their, in their church was inept? How could they worship? What should they do? In other words, let me rephrase that. If you think jo- John's not up to the 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 ball game here, you think he's a bit meh. What should you do? His answer was this, thank God, because now you have opportunity to worship or focus your worship on God Himself. Not the skill of the clergyman. He said too many people go to church to either admire or criticize the skill of the one leading worship, and they forget who it is that they are supposed to be worshiping in the first place. How many of us leave this room on a Sunday? I would, I'm going to put tracking and listening devices in all your cars, right? I've been watching too much stuff lately, all that stuff. But I would love to put a tracker in your car, or a listening device in your car, around the, the dinner table today, and how many comments would we hear of, John wasn't great today. Wasn't great today. Waffled a bit today, didn't he? Went on a wee bit much. Or Marcus was off. Didn't like them songs. Sad wasn't great. That's me. (laughs) That's just me. No, uh, but uh, why are we here? There's better orators out there than me. Definitely funnier comedians. You want that? There's probably one on a Saturday night. There's definitely better singers in Somerville. Ringo, too. You want to go to a concert? There's better ones on. But you know what's missing? God, God, He's the reason we're here. He's the reason we're here. The single best thing we can do when we come in here on a Sunday morning is take our eyes off every single thing else and fix them on Jesus. Fix him on Jesus. Because he's the one that loved you. He's the one that gave himself for you. He's the one that is going to come back for you. It is all about him. All about him. So let me ask you. In 2024, are we going to play like we mean it? Or are we just going to go through the motions? For me, folks, there is no choice. There isn't a choice. We're either all in or we're all out. We're either all in or we're all out. With Jesus, you read the Gospels, there is no sitting on the fence. It was Him that gave His life for you. The very minimum baseline we can do is turn up here on a Sunday and worship. Let me pray for us, and I'll lead us in communion. Father, help us, we pray. Help us to repent for what we have made this. Help us to repent for our attitude toward this. We need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to get right in there. To listen to your voice today and to show us What do you want from us? Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.